Good morning, everyone. The Sacramento City Council's Budget and Audit Committee will come to order. Would the clerk please call the roll? Thank you. Mayor Pro Tem Talamantes? Here. Councilmember Guetta? Here. Councilmember Vang? Here. And Mayor Steinberg? I am here. Uh, Councilman Guetta, would you please lead us in the land acknowledgement and the Pledge of Allegiance? Everyone rise who can, please. Please rise for the opening acknowledgments in honor of Sacramento's indigenous people and tribal lands. To the original people of this land, the Nisanon people, the Southern Maidu, the Valley and Plains, Miwok, the Putwin, Wintun people, and the people of the Wilton Rancheria, Sacramento's only federally recognized tribe, may we acknowledge and honor the native people who come before us and still walk beside us today on these ancestral lands by choosing to gather together today in the active practice of acknowledgement, appreciation for Sacramento's indigenous people's history, contribution, and lives. Thank you. Please uh, face the flag, salute, pledge. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and for the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Well, thank you and a very good morning to you. Uh, today, I suppose, uh, begins the formal uh, beginning of the city's FY25 budget process. And um, as you know, we face some significant challenges, and we're going to manage those challenges together. And this morning is a start. Uh, we, we have a consent calendar before we get to the discussion calendar, and why don't we ask if there are any uh, comments or issues uh, or any items on the consent calendar. If not, I would take a motion if there's no public testimony. So moved. And Mary, I have no public comment on the okay. consent calendar. All right, if there are no, no questions or comments, all in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed? The consent calendar. Passes, then let's go right to the heart of the matter. Um, item five, Mr. City Manager, do you wanna kick us off here? Yeah, I will. Uh, we're gonna start off with the, the consolidated annual, it's the act for now, they changed the acronym, annual comprehensive financial report first, and then we're gonna do the budget update and overview. So I'll invite Osvaldo to come up first. Is that predictor working? Um, hello, my name is Osvaldo Lopez. I'm the finance manager in the county division. And today, I'm pleased to share with you the year-end result for the fiscal year 23 and the annual comprehensive financial report, also known as the ACFRE. The ACFRE represents the city's financial conditions and the results of activities for the fiscal year that ended June 30, 2023. As required by the Governmental Accounting Standard Board, or GASPI, the city implemented four new accounting and financial reports and reporting standard this year. You can see additional information about these accounting standards on page two of the staff report. The independent audit firm, Macias, Gini, and O'Connell have audited financial statements as required by the city charter. I'm pleased to report that we had a clean audit opinion and received an unmodified opinion. Now, moving on into the financial results, in Fiscal year 23, general fund tax revenue exceeded budget by 3.2 million as reflected on page three of the staff report. Let me just put it here. So, 
So this 3.2 million that I mentioned is a result of the different uh, major property taxes. Uh, major taxes, as you can see, is broken down between property taxes, sales taxes, utility usage tax, and um, other taxes. So this is the amount that I was mentioning here, the 3.2 million. In addition to this 3.2 million, uh, department's operations uh, resulted in positive uh, savings of 573,000. Uh, we also have the breakdown for that. If you have more details, that's on page uh, five of the staff report. Let me just put it here. So uh, this table here represents basically the, the savings by departments or over expenditures. Uh, and then we have explanations of basically that departments that exceeded their um, appropriations. We explained why, why they did so. Um, Coming back to the table on page two, um, as we can see, um, other city revenue exceeded the budgeted amount by 5.3 million. Um, these amounts were offset by financial saving adjustments that are needed uh, of 4 million. So at the conclusion of the year-end process, 5.1 million in one-time resources were added to the available fund balance. In addition to these 5.1 million, we carry forward um, 0.4 million of available fund balance from the previous year, fiscal year 22, for a total of 5.5 million available fund balance at the end of fiscal year 23. Now, um, it is important to note that for uh, financial statement purposes, we have to separate general fund and measure you. So this is just for general fund. Um, in addition to this 5.5 million for um, Major U fund, we have an additional 2.6 million in available fund balance um, as of June 30, 2023. And we have the details of those amounts in page four of the staff report if you need additional information about that amount. So we, when combining general fund and Major U, we ended uh, fiscal year 23 with 8.1 million uh, of available fund balance. This is 7.4 million higher than the, than the original forecast for fiscal year 24 of 700,000. Um, and the budget update report will go into additional details with a uh, recommendation for the use of these resources. I'm also pleased to report that thanks to adopted council policies, we continue to make progress on setting aside resources to address um, our liabilities. For example, uh, the balance in the city other post-employment benefit trust as of June 30, 2023 was 71.2 million, which is equivalent to 25.6% of the estimated total other post-employment benefit liability of 277.6 million. The balance in general fund economic uncertainty reserve at year end increased from 63.1 million to 72.5 million during, during fiscal year 23. The balance in the major U fund economic uncertainty reserve at year, year end increased from 1 million to 1.8 million during fiscal year 23. Finally, I would like to take a moment to recognize the fiscal staff of all our city's department for the good work in closing the books this past year and helping the city to get another clean audit opinion. In special, I want to say thank you to the staff in the accounting division for their hard work and long hours to finish the act on time. With that, I'm available to answer questions and would like to ask the committee to pass a motion forward this report to City Council. Well, I want to say um, on behalf of the City Council, thank you for finding $7.4 million. Um, <laughs> we, uh, I mean, yeah. that's, I know I'm just kidding, but it's actually a little bit of, you know, good news amidst the, 
the hard news that we have you know, some carryover that we can obviously put to uh, reducing the, the overall deficit. So good work, really yeah. good work. Thank you. Thank you. Questions? Uh, Councilman Guetta. Yeah, thank you. Uh, no, I appreciate that. Uh, in that line, I, you know, I, I think it, it goes to show our, our budgeting uh, practices uh, and principles that have led to this. You know, in the past, we've, when we've made assessments, and generally have been very conservative, um, and, uh, and we've always uh, been above on our projected revenues, never assuming we're going to get too much, um, and it shows here for the most part. But what, what was the, the factor or why, what were the things that uh, we undershot slightly on the sales tax side this time? What were the things that we weren't aware of or maybe, because uh, I know we work with our partners at the League of Cities and others where you're still, we're still $7 million up, but, but this time around something was very significant. Um, good morning, uh, Mayor and Committee members. Lainey Milstein, Assistant City Manager. And actually, Pete is going to talk um, a lot about that on the sales tax side. Um, we were actually short on sales tax in the close of this. And where we overshot, we're starting to see it in construction. We're starting to see it in business to business. That ties to our reduction that we're seeing in assessed value that drives the value of our construction permits. So they're all interrelated. When you have higher interest rates, you're going to have less construction permits, you're going to have less construction materials. When other people are pulling back, it affects our sales tax, our business to business, people buying oil and um, other commodities. The state, when it slows its purchasing, it hurts our um, Bradley Burns and our measure use sales tax. So th those are the kinds of things that are driving it. And you'll see more that even in the current year, we're going to write it down further in the next presentation. Well, thank you. I won't, I won't then um, belabor the point, but I do want to appreciate the fact that we have been uh, conservative on the revenue numbers, and we've been positive years after the past. But uh, and I think it's important to highlight where that change has been, so that we can recognize what the structural deficit. So we'll, a conversation for the next two items. And with that, Mr. Mayor, I'll move uh, the. Uh, I'll make a motion to move the uh, ACFR now, the new acronym, the ACFR, to the City Council. Very good. Is there a second? Okay, very good. Is there, I don't see any public testimony, Madam Clerk, so let's pass the motion. All in favor, please say aye. 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 Oppose, abstain. It passes the committee unanimously and will go to the City Council. And now let's go to the tougher, uh, maybe the tougher item. Good morning, which, Lainey again. Yes. Um, here to kick off item six, which is our mid-year budget report and the beginning of our um, fiscal year 24-25 budget preview. And I'll be brief. Um, um, you know, we have begun our 24-25 budget process based on the information that you're going to see in the current year, and we just started that conversation about what's changed in the current year, and we have historically been um, very, very aggressive um, at the direction of council to try and kind of wring every dollar out of our forecast so that we can have those resources available for our city. This is unfortunately the year in which those lines have crossed where we had made some revenue assumptions and we are finding that they are not um, coming in at the rate that we had hoped they would. Our revenues are still growing. They're just not growing at the pace that we had anticipated when we approved our most recent budget. Um, moving in, so Pete will cover all of that, our finance director, Pete Coletto, um, but what I'd like to share before we um, really get in deep it, are the principles that we're using moving forward in the development of the 24-25 budget process to balance the deficit that you're going to hear about in a minute. And the first is that our goal is to not have any people or employees leave the city. 
that's a really important premise upon which we're trying to base what we offer to you as our budget balancing strategies. The second is to adjust revenues and expenses wherever possible, revenues up and expenses down. That helps us achieve structural balance over the long term. And then the third is where appropriate opportunities to adjust service levels. And so those are the three main principles upon which we are building our uh, proffer to you that will come um, and be shared over time in the next few you'll hear you'll be tired of us uh, in March and we're looking under um, every rock around what are our options and opportunities to balance the budget um, and with that I'm going to turn it over to our finance director for his presentation Good morning, Mayor, Council members, members of the public. I'm Pete Coletto, the Finance Director. With me is our Budget Manager, Murthala Santizo, and we're gonna go through the mid-year uh, update and the fiscal year 24-25 budget preview. Um, in municipal finance, we always live in three fiscal years. So the prior year, which you just heard from Osvaldo, uh, where the key number there is the 7.4 million. Uh, the current year, which um, we'll go through in a second, some of our adjustments that we want to make now that we're half, more than halfway through the year and we have more data, and then our projected budget deficit. Uh, so this is just a quick run of events. Uh, we're going to start out with a little bit on the economic context. That really frames uh, what we're going to expect to see with our revenues. And so this is uh, the unemployment rate for the state, uh, our metropolitan area, and uh, nationwide. And what you can see here is that it's historically low. We still have a very tight labor market. Uh, we're still seeing a strong labor market, but it's a little bit softer than it was a year ago. So we're seeing that unemployment rate tick up a bit. And we've, um, in the state, have kind of separated a little bit from nationwide. So we're seeing a little bit weaker, but still historically strong. Um, you can look at what happened uh, both during the COVID recession and, and the Great Recession, and we have a much tighter labor market. The big story over the past couple of years has been inflation and interest rates. Um, you know, Lainey mentioned the, the impact of high interest rates on the construction sector. It, high interest rates also just act as a general break on the economy. Um, this is the inflation rate, both um, just the consumer price index and the CPI taking out more volatile food and energy prices and uh, the Federal Reserve target. And so you can see it's come down dramatically. Um, but we're still above the Federal Reserve target, and that's you know one of the factors that's kind of held them off from looking at, from cut, making interest rate cuts. These are two of the key interest rates: so the federal funds rate, which is what the Federal Reserve sets, and then the 30-year mortgage rate. And um, you can just see how dramatically the 30-year mortgage rate has risen from its historic lows. And again, that's hugely important for us, our largest single revenue source is uh, property tax, although if you add sales tax and measure U, that's, that's a little bit more. Um, but this has resulted in you know, a real slowdown in housing activity in the city. Uh, this is the median home sales price in Sacramento. You can see um, you know, we're, we're a bit off the highs. This is through December. Uh, real estate is very seasonal, though, so one of the things we want to look at is the year-on-year -year change. Um, so you can see as interest rates went up, we did see, we saw a dramatic slowdown in, tr in transactions. Uh, we did see an impact on price, but we're starting to see um, prices go up again as interest rates, as mortgage rates come down a bit. So where does that leave us? Um, well, the labor market still remain, remains tight, but it, it's looking a little bit weaker than last year. 
Um, inflation's decreased, but we're above the Federal Reserve target. Interest rates still remain high. Mortgage rates are, are high. Uh, commercial vacancies remain very high. That's something that uh, a lot of economists are worried about. And the, the real question is, can the U.S. consumer remain resilient? And so when we're going to go over our forecast, our forecast is assuming uh, continued economic growth. Our, our forecast is not assuming a recession where we would see our revenues fall. Um, but a recession remains a real risk. And if we were to experience an economic downturn, um, our, our deficits would, look, would be much worse. Uh, so I'm going to hand it off to Murthala to go through the current year budget. Okay. Can you hear me? Is that better? Okay, great. Okay. Good morning, council members and mayor. I'm Rafael Santizo, budget manager. I'm okay. I'm just going to do a quick run through of the fiscal year 24 budget and these next few slides. The fiscal year 24 budget um, totals about 1.5 billion, of which 772 million of it is for general fund and measure U. The remaining 697 million is for enterprise and other funds. Um, in this slide right here, we are talking about, we're showing a department monthly breakdown and what I'd like to just um, kind of highlight here is public safety accounts for approximately 54% of the budget. Other operational departments account for 21%. Citywide and debt service accounts for 15. Support departments account for five. Mayor and council and charter departments account for 3%. And capital accounts for 2%. Uh, this pie chart shows a breakdown of the budget by categories. Um, salaries and benefits accounts for our highest costs at 66%, followed by supplies and services at 22%, and multi-year operating projects at 7 And this pie chart, we're showing a breakdown of our sources. Our Largest um, revenue source is property tax at 29%, measure use at 17%, and sales tax is at 14%. Okay. Okay, I will now walk you through um, the fiscal 24 budget update and the proposed adjustments. So, some of our major revenue sources are projected to come in below what was budgeted at year end. Um, as we by council, and Lainey mentioned this earlier, some of our revenues were budgeted with a more aggressive growth um, in fiscal 24, and now we are unfortunately seeing that they are coming in below budget. So 1% Bradley Burns utility user tax, measure use sales tax, and the 2% general fund portion of the transit occupant, occupancy tax, the TOT, are all projected to be below budget. Um, Bradley Burns and UUT aren't not only projected to be below budget, but they're also projected to decline in the upcoming years. And while measure use sales tax and the 2% general fund portion of the TOT are projected to be below budget, they are still showing some growth. On a more positive note, property tax in lieu of vehicle license fees, cannabis VOT, interest income, and department revenues are projected to be above budget. So in this table lists the details of um, the different breakdowns by each revenue source. Um, between sales tax, um, Bradley Burns, Measure U, Utility User Tax, and TOT, uh, 
we are recommending a reduction of 11.7 million for those ones. For property tax in lieu of vehicle license fee, interest income, cannabis BOT, and department revenues, we are recommending an increase of 12.9 million. The proposed adjustment totals to 1.2 million, and any usage of these additional funds will increase the projected budget deficit. Um, for department revenues, Public Works, Police, and Fire have the largest increase, with Public Works coming in at 4 million, Police at 3 million, and Fire at 1. The um, Community Development Department um, is seeing a decrease in revenues, and that's at approximately 3 million. And then just to kind of tie it all together um, with the last one, property taxes projected to be at budget. Okay. So these next few charts will shows a five-year history of the budget and actuals of major revenue sources. I'll quickly go over these. Um, starting with the Bradley Burns that you see up there, you can see that there's a slight dip in fiscal year 20 in actuals and a speedy recovery in the years after that. Um, fiscal year 23 is the first time since the pandemic that revenues were less than budget and actuals from the previous fiscal year. Um, for fiscal year 24, we're projecting that it, there will be a further shortfall. Um, and this is, again, due to um, decreases in the construction, construction sector, um, transportation sector, and also a reduction to the county pool um, portion that the city receives. Okay. For utility user tax, um, the actuals have actually stayed relatively close to budget amounts year over year. Um, this fiscal year is the first time that the revenue source is projected to be less than actuals from the previous fiscal year. This is mainly due to a reduction in cable and landlines outpacing the growth from higher gas and electric bills. Um, while Measure U continues to grow, it is not as rapid of a growth that was seen between fiscal year 20 and 22. Um, as you can see, it dropped slightly in fiscal year 23, but is projected to increase um, by the end of um, this fiscal year. However, revenues is projected to be under the approved budget for fiscal year 24, and this is partially due to the sales tax decrease in the construction sector. For TOT, um, and this part is for the 2% portion um, for general fund, they had um, a huge drop in revenues due to the pandemic and began to see huge increases um, from fiscal year 21 to 23. Um, and in what we're seeing in fiscal year 24 is that growth is slowed down and is now projected to be below budget. Okay. And then finally, for property tax, um, we do not have a recommended revenue adjustment because it's projected to come at budget. Um, for the most part, property tax has been budgeted pretty closely to actuals, um, as you can see here in the chart. So I will now return the presentation back to Pete. All right, so um, I'll give an update on our five-year forecast and what fiscal year 24-25 is looking like right now. Um, just first, some assumptions. Again, uh, this, our forecast is assuming the economy continues to grow. This is not a recession forecast. It incorporates the new labor agreements that were approved late 2023 and early 2024. Um, we're increasing that Measure L transfer due to the increased um, cannabis BOT revenue forecast that Merthala mentioned. And we're including HAP5 in our fiscal year 24-25 projection. So I know what everyone wanted to know is uh, what is our forecasted budget gap after we've done our review of the revenues and uh, our update of the expenses. 
And so uh, we're seeing a gross funding gap before we apply a salary savings factor of almost 83 million. Um, with our projected 3% salary savings, that would save us almost 17 million. Um, so we're projecting a funding gap of 66 million for the coming budget year. And so by charter mandate, we need to close the projected $66 million deficit uh, for your council to adopt the budget. So this is a roll-up. There, there's a more line-item detail in the staff report. Um, and there are just a couple things to highlight. So again, when you look at that revenue line, you see it growing every year. So um, this deficit is structural. Our, our rate of expense growth is outpacing our available resources. And uh, so it's not a one-time dip like we experienced in the recession where we can say, okay, well, our revenues will eventually come back uh, because it's, it was caused by an economic downturn. This is a structural deficit. Um, I, the other thing I wanna point out is uh, included in the 66 million is an additional 11.4 million um, deficit for homelessness services. So to close the $66 million deficit and maintain our level of homelessness services, we would need to uh, essentially invest another 11.4 million of general fund for homelessness services. Uh, this is just a graphical representation of our structural funding gap. Um, you can see the, the blue lines are excluding the homelessness services budget, and you can see that grows every year. Uh, that big increase in the red line from fiscal year 25 to 26, um, a lot of that is HAP. So uh, we can pretty safely assume we're going to get HAP 5. Uh, we cannot safely assume we're going to get future rounds, and so they're not included in fiscal 26, 27, or 28. And again, um, our, our expenses are outpacing our revenues through our entire forecast period. So how did we get here? Um, you know, many people are wondering, how can we have a budget deficit when the overall economy is doing pretty well? And there's really no single cause. It would probably be easier if there was. Uh, this is a result of many factors over multiple years, including inflation. Just like every um, household is experiencing inflation, we as a city are experiencing inflation as well. Uh, we have increased pension and insurance costs our new labor agreements, so uh, you know, 45 million in the current uh, round of agreements and then 34 million from uh, the round of agreements a few years ago, so roughly an $80 million impact on the general fund. Uh, we've expanded as a city into new service areas and voter-approved ballot measures have directed general fund spending. So uh, you know, as a city, we've, again, we've expanded into new service areas and our costs for both, uh, for everything have gone up and this has caused our expenses to grow faster than our revenues. Um, so again, it's not caused by our revenues declining. And so to solve our structural imbalance, uh, we really need to look at way ongoing ways to raise revenues and or cut expenses. Um, so how are we gonna close the gap? Well, the city managers implemented some current year spending restrictions and he's instructed city manager departments to produce uh, budget savings options. And really the core thing here is uh, defining our core services. So what do we wanna prioritize? What is key to our, um, our core mission as the city? Uh, really prioritizing savings. We're gonna, you know, while we're, we can look at one-time solutions, we wanna prioritize those ongoing solutions. And we wanna prioritize our reduction strategies by looking at revenue enhancements. So areas where our 
you know costs have gone up and we can recover some of those costs looking at discretionary program reductions maybe changing how we deliver some of our programs and then service levels mandated program reductions we're also looking at every every project looking for all our unspent fundings that all our unspent funding that we could potentially redirect to solve our budget problem and we're looking at you know various citywide strategies and we're also refining our salary savings estimates and so again the mayor said this is kicking off the process so Merthal is going to talk a little bit more about our outreach and engagement and also how we're going to engage with the committee and council Okay, so as requested by council, public outreach on the budget development will be conducted. The public has two different ways to engage. One is through the online budget survey, which can be found at cityofsacramento.gov forward slash budget survey. Um, the survey is currently up right now and will be available until March 24th. The second way is to join us at one of the three community meetings in March. The first meeting will be held in North Sacramento on March 6th at North Potomac Community Center. On March 13th, Panel Meadowview Community Center in the South Sacramento will host the second meeting. And then finally, Clooney Community Center in East Sacramento will hold the last one on March 14th. All three meetings will begin at I'm sorry, 6 p.m. And survey results and the feedback from the meetings will be reported to the VNA committee. So here's a look of what's coming up. Next month, we plan to hold the public budget meetings, close the budget survey, and continue to finalize the reduction plans. We'll come back to BNA and Council in March and April to give updates. Um, the proposed budget will be released before May 1st, and we'll go straight into proposed budget hearings at BNA and Council in May. And in June, we'll have final budget hearings based on um, any revisions, and budget adoption is scheduled for June 11th. Um, so, although there is um, an immediate need to close the $66 million budget, dollar budget gap, there are some current and future fiscal challenges that we want to note. Many of these have been challenges for a while, and some will continue to get worse. Um, our unfunded pension obligation continues to grow in the fiscal 24 budget. The pension obligation was approximately $23 million. Um, in for the general fund measure you fund and this amount will be updated in 25 the city's unfunded capital needs continues to grow which many departments have mentioned in their presentations earlier this month we are currently working to get an updated list um, of those unfunded needs and the costs as well this information will be provided in the fiscal 25 CIP and then adding to Adding on to the ongoing capital needs, the adoption of the Advanced Clean Fleets Regulation in April 2023 um, is a fairly new challenge. Um, this regulation requires 50% of vehicle purchases to be zero emission vehicles starting in January 1st, and then 100% in um, 2027. Staff are currently working um, on determining the cost impact of this regulation. And of course, with the adoption of the regulation, there will be a long-term gas tax decline for the state since consumers will not need to purchase um, as much gasoline. The state currently does not have a plan to backfill those revenues, and this will affect monies received from the state. Um, the League of California Cities is currently working with the state on this particular issue. Uh, 
The city's risk insurance or general and auto liability continues to increase year over year. Uh, fiscal year 24 saw an increase of 17% in general fund and measure U. And with the state's proposed budget gap, resources for homeless programs is at risk. And so as Pete mentioned in the forecast, it is unknown of how much HAP funding we will receive um, starting in fiscal year 26 and beyond. Uh, and finally, there's always that looming risk of recession. And if that were to occur um, and revenues drop, that would increase our budget gap. So just wanted to mention that some of these known challenges are in the forecast, but others are not, such as the unfunded capital needs and any sort of impact from the recession. Okay. So these are our recommendations to, um, and that, that we would like for budget and audit to move forward to council. The first is to receive authority to commit 7.4 million in the fiscal 23 year end savings to help reduce the fiscal 24, 25 budget gap. This will bring the gap down from 66 million to 58.6. The second is to receive authority to commit non-mandated general fund measure U fund revenues and positive net year end results under section 17 and 18 of the fiscal year 24 budget result to future budget development reserves. And finally, the third recommendation is to commit salary savings to balance current fiscal year. Okay, um, with that being said, this is the end of our presentation. Pete and I would like to thank um, budget staff and department staff for all the work that was necessary to provide counts, to provide this information and we're available for any questions. Very good, um, excellent presentation and um, <coughs> sobering, but again, you, you lead with the first solution, which is the year end. And that's the way we're gonna approach this over these next weeks and months. If it's an elephant, we take a bite of the, you know, one bite at a time here. And that's the way this works. And um, we're going to have to make hard decisions, no question about it, but there are a number of important creative ways that we, we can knock this $58 million number down even farther. And that's what I want to talk a little bit about here uh, today. And I'll save maybe some of my broader thoughts and suggestions in a moment. But let me start with Councilmember Guetta. Uh, thank you, Mr. Mayor. Uh, uh, one, I agree with. Oh, sorry. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. I agree with your uh, point about uh, you know the first action here. Um, and uh, and I'll go ahead and make a motion to support the staff recommendation yeah. to move the. The balance of the uh, year, the mid-year 7.3 into the next uh, 23, 24, uh, 2024, 2025 um, allocation. Um, the question that I had is uh, uh, pertaining to the projections on the uh, uh, cannabis BOT and whether or not um, there had been, in prior conversations, there had been discussions about potential reductions in those revenues. Um, but my understanding is at the state level, there seems to be an increase in those revenues. So while sales, sales tax is going down, at least on BOT in this sector, it's go, it, it maintains stable, if not going up. Um, do we see any projections of that actually changing, or it's going way up? I'm hearing, seeing. Yeah, we're going way. Yeah, up, correct. So, so Councilmember, we um, based on what we've seen so far this year, uh, we're seeing cannabis BOT revenues come in above our projections. And so, you know, we're looking to adjust that 
um, revenue source higher to match what we're seeing. So we're, we're actually seeing strength in that sector. It's, it's performing better than we've, we had anticipated uh, when we passed this year's budget. Well, I appreciate the confidence in, in readjusting higher. I just I would be cautious about that until we see further, further data going there. But, uh, but at least the, the trends that, that, that I've noticed um, from the statewide projections is that they have been. So uh, not that we have the same economy as what's happening in other parts of the region, but uh, it gives us some level of confidence. Um, and then um, uh, again on on the uh, on the on the uh, sales tax side, both the Bradley Burns and Measure U, um, it goes back to my previous question: um, Are are we re, uh, revisiting our analysis of of how con how conservative how conservative we are? We have been generally very conservative and over and have overshot, so we've had a larger mid year in the in the ACFR, I guess um, numbers, but. Uh, moving forward, are we tightening up that that the, those assumptions? So I, th I think there are two things that are going on. So one is that I think traditionally as a city, um, we, we would look at three different cases. So we would look at conservative, most likely, and aggressive. And in the past, we had uh, used conservative. Uh, we're finance people. We tend to be conservative. Um, what we had changed was um, for the next year, for the budget year, moving from conservative to most likely. Um, so that's kind of where we are. The other thing that's happening is we're just seeing a general weakness in sales tax right now, especially you know, the Bradley Burns. It's coming in weaker than, than you know, most likely and weaker than conservative. So the other thing we're looking at is when we look at those three scenarios, whereas when we were looking last year, maybe they were up here, now all three scenarios are being marked down a little bit. Yeah, and then the fa final point on that, um, it was mentioned earlier in the previous item that construction, business-to-business -business operation were, seemed to be the significant um, drivers in that. Now, how much of that is driven more so by uh, the national interest market versus, say, um, local municipal ordinances or policies that we need to be consideration, have in consideration about construction within our own jurisdiction where we are collecting those uh, those tax revenues so I, I think we would have to do more research to um, you know be able to tease that out uh, I, I couldn't give you a confident answer right maybe sure, later. sure yeah one of our concerns is anything that we'd hide Laney Milstein sorry anything that we do to make construction harder in the city is going to drive down revenues associated with that so the more hurdles that we put in place, the more costs that we put in place, the more difficult we make it to do to do projects will innately affect our city's revenues. Thank you. And then on the business-to-business -business transaction, are those mostly tied into the housing market, or, or are those uh, across the board from all the different uh, types of industries in the city? Because we generally have a pretty diverse industry from construction to manufacturing. Yeah, we'll, um, we'll have to take a look at the more granular data. I just don't have it at my fingertips and see uh, what the sector breakdown is for business to business. Appreciate that. That's it, Mr. Mayor. And uh, I'll make, again, I'll reiterate my motion to move the, the balance yep. of, the, of our uh, act for to the 24-25. Very good. Moved and second. We'll, we'll all, all of the recommendations. All the recommendations. We'll hold off on the vote until we finish with the council comments. I know I have a few questions. Council member of Mayor Pro Tem Talamantis, go ahead. Thank you. Um, well, thank you, uh, Assistant City Manager Laney and City Manager Chan. 
for making sure that it's a priority to keep our employees and so that they don't leave the city. So thank you so much for making that your number one mission when starting this presentation. Uh, just because the number is really daunting. Um, and I'm sure it's scary for anyone that just started with the city of Sacramento to say, hey, am I going to be the first one that needs to go? And so making sure that you have those vacancies and maybe being able to move employees from one department to another is so important. So I just want to thank you for, for starting that presentation off that way. Um, secondly, let's see. The unspent funds, so during one of the slides, I said identify unspent funds. Um, is that the $7.4 million in savings that we already found, or is this the mission to continue finding unspent funds? Yeah, so, I mean, the 7.4 is additional revenues. This would refer to uh, maybe monies we put into a project, and the project is complete, and there is an available balance. Or maybe it's a project we haven't started, and uh, maybe given the budget situation, we want to um, recoup those funds potentially. So what we're doing is taking a look at everything okay. um, and then doing that analysis and seeing, you know, what could potentially be used as a budget balance solution and what is something that's really, we see a balance there, but really it's, it's being spent and so it wouldn't be um, available to, for budget balancing. Okay, thank you. And I think for me what's important is for our governmental affairs uh, team to continue advocating the capital for money for homelessness. I mean, without those HAP funds, I mean, we're going to be in a big problem here in the city of Sacramento. Uh, but also lobbying on unfunded mandates. A lot of times legislation gets passed at the capital and then it draws down to us to implement and we just don't have the capacity or the resources to do the good work. You know, it's their ideas that I believe in, but it's so important to be able to draw down those dollars. So continuing our, our advocacy as a city on these two issues are important. Um, and I guess this one would be for the city manager, but just in terms of volunteer, for example, I have our Natomas Garden Art Center in our district, and it requires a lot of money to be able to maintain it. Uh, it's a city-owned facility. Like, how do we boost up our volunteer program so that people that want to go in and plant flowers or, you know, garden, how do we boost our volunteer program so that we have more flexibility when it comes to maintenance of some of our older uh, facilities? Also, more public-private partnerships. I know I called Lainey last week and I said, hey, if we have any city-owned facilities, how do we lease it? How do we partner with organizations, companies, to be able to do more of a public-private partnership to help with our deferred maintenance? Um, that's about it for now. Thank you, Mayor Pro Tem. I, I will just follow up on the presentation that you just heard from Osvaldo and our entire finance team here. You know, we started off these budget workshops uh, earlier this month. Uh, with the notion that we're going to try and uh, tackle this problem here uh, by increasing revenues, decreasing expenses, adjusting service levels. All the while, we're looking at making sure that there's no employee that leaves the city. Uh, that by, uh, by virtue of saying that and having that as our goal, uh, we're going to look at service level reductions. We are also going to sweep, uh, look under every rock. I mean, Pete said it. Uh, projects that have been completed, there's funds in there. Projects that have not been completed, that there's no uh, future funding earmark, because uh, we need to solve this issue this year, uh, and then hope that by making some of these structural changes, that the out years will be less daunting. And so we just completed a whole series of department meetings over the last several weeks here, and uh, we're just now digging into the feedback we've gotten from all the departments. Uh, my team, is, along with the finance team, are going to go through and make some recommendations with those principles in mind. So, more to come. Thank you so much. Councilmember Bang. 
Thanks, Mayor. Um, I just first wanted to thank staff for your thorough presentation. Um, and as the mayor shared, I know there's going to be uh, a lot of tough decisions uh, in the upcoming weeks and months, um, but I do trust that we're going to be able to manage them together. Um, and um, also wanted to share that I know as we're heading into this direction, I also want to just appreciate staff for thinking ahead and preparing for uh, the budget town halls that are going to be happening throughout the city. Uh, I know the second one will be in Medivue on March 13th. And so uh, we're definitely going to be out in the community sharing about the situation and wanting to hear directly from our constituents and our residents about their priorities uh, because we will be making some tough decisions. And so it's going to be really important as folks are tuning into this budget and audit meeting um, and just moving forward, uh, making sure sure that, that you are all present at the town hall. And if not, there's also a survey as well. Um, and then, uh, Pete, I also just wanted to just say just thank you for providing the economic context, right? It's not something uh, where we woke up one night and we're like, this is where we're at. It's like we knew that this was, was coming because uh, it's a structural deficit. Our expenditure exceeds our uh, revenue, revenues that are coming in. And so really appreciate you just providing that holistic context because I, I think it's important for the public to understand, um, you know, we didn't get her over one night. Um, it is accumulation of multiple factors. Um, and so just wanted to, to mention that as well. And then I also just want to speak a little bit about Measure L because it was cited as one of the factor um, that could be the reason why we're in a structural deficit. And um, I was one of the champion along with their youth fighting for Measure L, which we now have. Um, and I just, you know, want to say that, uh, you know, during tough times, it's always our youth programming uh, that is always cut first. Um, and I actually think because we have Measure L, uh, the Sacramento Children's Fund, it's going to help us to really secure some of the key programming uh, for our city that's so vital uh, ensuring that we're that we're a city for young people and I, I just want to note yes it's eight nine million dollars um, but that's less than two percent of our city budget right and so um, I don't want measure L end up being a scapegoat reason why we're in a structural deficit because a structural deficit meaning it's a structural deficit and so just really wanted to, to name that as well um, because I know it was cited as one of the factor and so Really looking forward to the robust conversation we're going to be having with our full mayor and council when this item goes to full council. Um, and I know there's some tough decisions ahead, but I trust that our residents are uh, going to be vocal and they're going to be sharing their priorities. And our job as mayor and council is to make sure that that happens. So thank you. Thank you, Councilmember Vang. Um, I have six categories I want to cover here. <laughs> I don't think it'll take that long, but uh, bear with me because, um, as you know, I... Um, it's not my first rodeo with budget deficits. Um, I, uh, this is all I lived and dealt with when I was Senate leader. And so um, I'm not, I, I, I have no illusions about the challenge and difficulty here, but I know that we can manage our way through this uh, because I have seen and lived through much worse. And it's about how we go about doing it and in my opinion, this is something I continue to talk about with the city manager and his team, that while the formal budget is not going to be presented until what, April, beginning of April? March 26th. Okay. And, so and we're getting it closer yeah. than not. But I want to begin infusing some confidence in people that while we are going to have to make reductions, no question about it, that there are some solutions along the way that um, are going to make it a little, bit, a little bit more manageable. And we're not going to talk about all those today. But over the weeks ahead, I want to make sure that we are using the Budget and Audit Committee to at least analyze and float some of what may be possible. And in that light, 
I was whispering to the manager, that old management partners report, which I know um, the city team and the city council has begun implementing some of those things, including the BOT measure, which uh, <clears throat> probably is not going to pass. Did I just say that? Um, and so if it does not pass, then we're going to, um, you know, look at that and learn from... Uh, from the experience and, and decide how to move forward. But that's just one of several that have been implemented. No single role, um, it's on its way and there's several others, but there are a number of them as you go down the list that still are worth picking at a little bit more. Some of them more politically fraught than others, but some things about you know energy audits and these sorts of things that we ought to at least dig back into and see if there are savings in the hundreds of thousands or even millions in some of the instances. And so I just would like the Budget and Audit Committee with the management team to come back at maybe our next hearing and let's have a discussion about that because that's another way that we can show, just as today, you shave this and we shave this from 66 million to 58 million. Well, one bite at a time. We keep lowering that and I wanna have that discussion, please, okay? Absolutely. So, Mayor, uh, we have already started updating that uh, that report that the auditor uh, presented to the council in terms of the recommendations from the management partners report. Uh, we have some updates, and you're right, some of those require uh, potentially some charter change things. Yeah. But, but let's get to the lower-hanging fruit, and uh, we're happy to bring that back. It's in the process now. Yeah. Uh, I'll let you know if we can get back to the next budget and audit. Okay, as early as possible, because, I again, I want every meeting to be pointing towards the additional chipping away so that we get down then down to the number that where the hardest of hard decisions are going to have to be made okay that's one so um i want to talk about the contracts for a moment because um i think we have to be transparent which we have been continue to be transparent and to speak the truth that significant amount of the additional expense here is because the labor contracts and we have a real recruitment and retention challenge here at the city. And the contracts themselves are reasonable. They barely help our hardworking city employees keep up with the cost of living. And so this is real life and this is government. And sometimes, you know, you, make, you have to make that decision. And then we work together to manage our way through it. Now, I know some of our partners are out there in the audience, and that's good. I think the contracts are well-earned, and we need your help. And we need your help. You need to be full partners in this thing, right? As we look at all of this and as we get down to whatever that number will be, whether it's formally at the table or, or informally, we need your help. Because, because the choices are going to be the choices, and it does not serve the city mission or your mission to um, have people laid off, which again is a last, last resort, um, and or to see reductions in service levels for these vital public safety and, and, and non-public safety missions. So uh, I just wanted to, you know, I'm not defensive about the contracts because, <clears throat> because you can be penny wise and pound foolish in this business. We're losing a bunch of city employees because we're not competitive with neighboring jurisdictions. That does not serve the city. 
and they're and they're and they are modest contracts really when it comes to you look at the rates of inflation and how far some of our our, our working groups are behind and how this just helps keep up if if that yeah go ahead um no, I 100% agree with everything that you're saying. And as someone that worked in HR for five years, retention is the largest cost savings in employer. Okay. And like that wisdom is so important, so. And, but there's a second half of my message, which is that we're all gonna have to be partners here in figuring this out when we get to the numbers. Okay, let me get to the next thing, vacancies. So I know, boy, this is one where somebody ought to earn a PhD um, in, in va vacancy management, and here's my question not to be answered today, but again, when we come back to the next hearing or the hearing after that. The 3%, is it, have we rung every vacancy possible? Now, I know on the public safety side that the vacancies are used to pay for overtime. Okay. I asked last time at one of, I don't know it was budgeted or not, at one of the city council hearings for some kind of reconciliation and I think the police chief's initial answer, maybe it was the city manager's, is that the overtime paid on the police side is much more than, than the vacancies. I, I do think it is important for us to see a reconciliation of the vacancies on the public safety side. And then on the non-public safety side, to continue evaluating whether or not the temporary elimination of vacancies, I know this isn't a happy thing for anybody out there to hear, but whether the elimination, te even temporarily, of vacancies on the non-public safety side is another way to get millions of dollars here without cutting services. It may be that we can't increase the services, but they're vacancies. So I just want to make sure that we have a full discussion about the vacancies because the truth of the matter is the city team here, you guys spend hundreds of hours on all of this within the departments, but I think for the city council and for the public, it's sometimes uh, one of those boxes, right, where it's hard to hard to decipher. And so I think coming back and having discussion discussion about the vacancy issue at BNA would um, would serve us well, regardless of what the answer, what the ultimate answer is. Talked about management partners, so here's another one that I would like to just tee up for further discussion. And that is that um, the manager is appropriately, um, well, he hasn't put forward a budget yet, but I know in all the discussions, is talking about not touching the economic uncertainty reserve. Right. We don't touch the economic uncertainty reserve unless it's an absolute emergency, and this is not that. Good. However, when I look at the page five of the report, which is the most important page, which is the line item for the whole thing. It does have us contributing $8 million over the course of two fiscal years, 23, 24, and 24, 25, for the economic uncertainty reserve. Well, if it's a rainy day, we don't necessarily deplete the reserve, but why are we putting more money into that reserve when that could be used for deficit reduction? So I'd like to at least consider that, again, uh, contrasted with all of the other choices that, um, that we may be confronted with. 
Number five, HAP funding. This is an accounting issue. The city budget, or the page five again, the key page says that we expect $21,643,000 from HAP. I thought it was $27 million that we're expecting. Uh, so, Mayor, we're currently evaluating our eligible expenses. So, um, there, the HAP pie gets distributed to different entities, and we're looking to see if we have um, expenses that would be eligible to draw down some of the additional HAP funding. Well, I'm sorry. I think 21 is the current year. Oh. Yeah. It gets bigger the next year, yes. Well, I don't know about the next year. I'm talking about... Well, the next year, the, I'm told that for fiscal year 24-25, my staff confirmed this as well, that it's $27 million, and this is listed as 21.643, and I'm into the additional four and a half, so, so <laughs> four, we have, five and a half million dollars. Laney, it's Laney again, sorry. The 21, I believe, is the current year because that is the allocation. It was about 25, and a certain portion goes to affordable housing and housing, and so that's the current year. 2425 is $27 million, of which about three or four gets pulled off the top for those same purposes. So we've got 25 now programmed in to solve our homelessness uh, funding gap. And anything else that we can either pull back from the current year, so pull forward and doesn't get spent, we'll go into 2425. And anything that we can program appropriately from the remaining three to four million that will then free up resources to plow more into homeless services, we will do that. That is what we know right uh, now based on the, the okay. governor's budget appropriation of 27 uh, I'm, million. I'm not talking about homeless services as much as I'm talking about the budget. If in fact, we're gonna spend $25 million on HAP for homeless services absent whatever the set-aside is you're talking about, then that ought to be reflected here and then ought to be in our favor. I mean, that ought to take the budget deficit from 58 to 55 or 54, no? So I'll, I'll just say, uh, looking at utilizing additional HAP funding is a strategy that we're, we're looking at. So okay. I think, as you know, right, HAP has the different categories, and so what we're trying to do is make well, the puzzle work. Let but. me, I, I would offer my help with this, if it requires any help with the administration, et cetera, on the accounting, as long as we can maintain our 1,350 beds and what we're doing and account for more of this. And I wanna talk about that housing, whose budget does that go to and why that isn't counted in, in this as well. For further discussion, I just wanted to float it because Every three to four million is consistent with trying to chip down this number. Okay? Um, number six. I just wanted to, so this is actually, you'd think non-budget related, but to me it's totally budget related. And this is another one that the city manager and I have been talking a lot of online, and it's just more of a philosophical statement, okay? Um, and that is, let's not forget economic development here. Because, you know, I made this argument from the day uh, I became mayor. We, we talk about, you know, that sales tax isn't what we want it to be. The business to business isn't what we want it to be. And there's a lot of external factors, right? Well, beyond our, our um, control, the interest rates and, and all of that. 
But to the degree we can prime the pump with non-general fund dollars and continue to try to move this economy forward, we ought to consider that as part of the budget strategy, not contrary to the budget strategy. And I know we're going to have more discussions over the months, months ahead about TOT and all of that, but I really believe that we have to continue. Again, we're not, we don't have gen, new general fund dollars to spend on any projects, but non-general fund dollars, the TOT dollars, especially if they don't have to be backed by the general fund, which is another thing that we talk about, um, that we ought to be aggressive. And yes, messaging is, you know, well, how can you spend TOT money on when you're cutting budgets? Because TOT money, as one example, cannot be spent on the general fund. Say it and defend it until I'm blue in the face. And, and you know, so I just wanted to make that philosophical comment because I, I think it is important. Anyways, good job. This is the beginning. This is the beginning of our all working together as a team, as a city, with our community. Let's have some confidence here. Let's get this number down, 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 and then deal with what we have to deal with and pass a budget. All right. We have one, one speaker. Thank you, Mayor. Shelby Lynn Gauthier Owensby. <laughs> So I have a solution for a lot of your guys' um, vacancies. I used to be a state worker, work for public health. And so um, I've been a part of the Youth United Nations. I've been an ambassador for my country, Iraq and Malaysia. Um, I have experience in politics. And I have some solutions, like I said, for some of these vacancy programs. Maybe um, some of your volunteers work with um, Daryl Steinberg on a type of contract, because my mom works for um, California Community and Development Agency, which is an enforcement agency that works with HUD. And um, I know that they've been trying to get rid of the properties. Um, and so they have a program that is called, um, it's called Caretaker Program. And so what happens is, is with the caretaker program, you apply with application, and you're considered a volunteer, but they pay you a stipend. And grants.gov is a good resource. It may not be, um, I know some of their federal grants or grant programs on grants.gov, they offer monies of $7 million, but maybe getting um, some of the volunteers to help um, like with those vacancies, because the more the tax dollar, the more you have money for spending and budget and other programs. And I know we have a mass exodus, so that might help, is creating a stipend program to help Daryl Steinberg's vacancies or a type of seasonal program, which I used to work for the city at the 24th Street Courtyard. And so my ex, Brian Baggerly, we were working and we dated, and he was letting me know that um, they have programs. Thank you for your comments. Your time is so complete. Could I? I'd be happy 
yes. to put you in touch with one of my team members. That'd be nice to talk further about your ideas because it sounds like you got some interesting things. Yeah, and things they to have offer. like a, a youth <clears throat> program that helps with some of the cleanup <clears throat> that might also help. So thank you for your, your time. Kind of is out of time, but I will I will put you in touch with. Okay. Um, can I get the name and number, please? Thank you. Okay. Mary, I have no more speakers. Okay, so we have a motion and a second on the um, on the first steps here. Like Council Member Geta, all in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed, abstain. Uh, that measure passes. Let us now move to a very, uh, another very important item on today's agenda, and that is the City Auditor's preliminary report on the City's homeless response. <clears throat> Madam Auditor, how are you? Hi, good. How about you? Doing fine, thank you. All right. Thank you, guys. Um, good afternoon. I'm Farishta Arari, the Interim City Auditor. Uh, the recommendation that is before you is to accept the preliminary report on the city's homeless response and forward to the City Council for approval. So here's a general roadmap for today's presentation. Uh, we'll be starting with some definitions, and then we'll go into our preliminary scope considerations for the homeless audit, uh, provide a quick background on the city's homeless response, review the results of our homeless expenditure survey, and describe some potential audit objectives. For context, here are three definitions you may see in our presentation. Uh, very quickly, the NIM structure is a national framework used to manage incidents and is relevant to our city's incident management team, IMT. Um, PEH refers to persons, persons experiencing homelessness, and the PIT count is a countywide count of persons experiencing homelessness, and it's typically conducted every two years. So as stated in the City Auditor's 23-24 work plan, the purpose of the audit is to evaluate the costs and effectiveness of the citywide response to homelessness and covers a variety of departments and external stakeholders. In preparing this preliminary report, our office held multiple meet and greet sessions with city departments, attended ride-alongs to observe staff in the field, coordinated with all city departments on their homeless expenditures, met with external partners and stakeholders, and conducted independent research on homelessness in the city. As such, we're presenting this preliminary report, which encompasses the results of our preliminary review process. Uh, we consider the potential scope of the audit to be wide-ranging and are seeking further direction on our audit objectives. Uh, we want to stress that this preliminary report is not an audit, um, and it was not conducted in compliance with generally accepted government audit standards. While the city's homeless response is, is an extensive topic, we wanted to provide a brief overview to help set up the potential audit objectives that we'll discuss later in this presentation. So the significant growth of the Sacramento homeless population has left the city facing with one of the most challenging homeless crises in the country. According to the 2022 pit count, there has been a 67% increase in the homeless population in Sacramento County since the 2019 pit count. So the city's various efforts related to homelessness can be generally categorized into six types. Uh, the first, direct assistance and services, um, includes outreach services and homeless shelter programs. 
The second is solution-oriented investments, which includes prevention and affordable housing. The third is reducing impact to the community, which includes cleanups and compliance activities. The fourth is administrative and operational support, which includes IT and legal advice. The next is uh, impacted department operation, departmental operations, which broadly refers to diverted resources in response to homelessness. And finally, we have legal settlements. For simplicity, these types of homeless efforts corresponds with the expenditure categories that we use in our expenditure survey later. One of the service, uh, services provided by the city and managed by the Department of Community Response is homeless sheltering. As shown on this slide, this ranges from congregate shelters, which are the more traditional dormitory-like programs, to non-congregate shelters, which are more private living situations like motel rooms. Um, and then there's temporary shelter facilities such as safe camping and parking. And then there's also the respite centers, which are more temporary. To go into uh, more detail, we highlight some of the different types of safe grounds on this slide. They, would, they fall under the temporary shelter facilities. Uh, these vary in costs, uh, the types of shelter provided and the operating structures. For example, the Miller Park Safe Ground provides safe camping, safe parking, and some services for homeless individuals. Uh, Camp Resolution offers safe parking by leasing out the property to Safe Ground Sacramento, Inc. for operation. And the new Roseville site it provides sleeping cabins, trailers, and services to program participants. A further review of these various shelter types may be beneficial to understand varying costs and benefits related to the city shelter program. As part of the city's uh, homeless response protocol, city staff engage in three main types of encampment response activities. These include outreach to homeless individuals to connect them to services, encampment management, which often includes cleanup, and finally working with homeless individuals to comply with relevant laws. During a September 2023 City Council meeting, the Department of Community Response introduced the Incident Management Team, IMT, which incorporates the NIMS Incident Command Structure to assist with the City's homeless response protocols. The IMT collects and publicly presents the uh, data points included in this slide. And based on this information, we believe the city is capturing and reporting on valuable data, but may not be performing adequate analysis to optimize enforcement and more effectively direct the homeless population to connect to county and other services. For example, uh, as the figure above indicates, the city provides data on cases closed and instances of compliance obtained but it's unclear how its daily response and service metrics are monitored and communicated to prioritize and achieve higher level goals. The city uses a variety of information management systems to track metrics related to its homeless response efforts. Uh, while most of these systems are not dedicated to the city's homeless response, the increasing impact of homelessness on the city's operations has continued to either has contributed to either customizations of these existing systems to better record homelessness-related data or improve designation of already tracked data as homelessness-related. 311 plays a key role by taking in calls and cases from the public and triaging the calls to ensure the appropriate departments um, are uh, identified for response. 
The Salesforce application that supports the 311 data is also used by DCR as a case management system. Uh, additionally, individual departments use their own systems to track metrics such as uh, work order or case management systems. Many of the city service providers as well as DCR also rely on homeless, homeless Management Information System or HMIS. This system collects client level data on housing and services for in homeless individuals and is managed by Sacramento Steps Forward. We believe this disaggregation of internal data and limited accessibility to HMIS system provides opportunities to aggregate the data and do further analysis. As of March 2023, according to DCR, uh, they entered into approximately 26 contracts to assist in the response to the homeless crisis. These contracts can be uh, viewed in two separate groups, either homeless shelter services and then security, outreach, cleaning, and disposal services. Uh, the total contract amount of these contracts is approximately $46 million as of March 2023. So the city has entered um, contracts for a wide variety of services. For example, services uh, provided through Contracts include oversight and ongoing support of a countywide centralized access point for all city-funded emergency shelter, outreach, and other crisis resources through the 211 system, uh, cleaning services for encampment cleanups, various types of shelter programs, and outreach services to people experiencing homelessness. In our discussions related to this project, council members had expressed concerns about the growth of these contracts, the costs, and the services received. We performed background research into the city's contract with the first step communities uh, related to homeless shelter contracts to identify potential risks that may warrant further review. We identified that given the growing expansion of city services, there have been some invoice costs for services that exceed estimated costs specified in the contract documents. We want to stress that despite cost overruns when compared to initial estimated costs of operating safe grounds, first step communities costs were lower than comparable sites located in San Francisco and Los Angeles. City management noted that they are aware of the cost overruns and in some cases they were the result of requested expansion of uh, services. And we also noted that the use of numerous addendums to increase services and consequentially increase costs to the city. Uh, city management noted that these steps were required due to the growth of the homeless population and the market constraints uh, of the availability of a small number of contractors that provide these types of services. So um, we also want to uh, stress again that we did not conclude any violations of any contract language or any impropriety in the first step, com step communities documentation. Uh, in fact, city management has consistently been complementary of the work and flexibility of the nonprofit. Uh, rather, we offer these examples as potential areas of risk to consider for more in-depth analysis. As described later in this uh, presentation, we have presented potential audit objectives that focus on uh, either first the comprehensive performance audit of a city's contract procurement administration and addendum processes, and second, um, an audit focusing on the performance of a vendor, group of vendors completing contracted activities supporting the city's programs, um, such as the agencies in contract with the city to operate the city's uh, motel voucher, voucher program. 
Due to the imp increasing impact of homelessness in the city Sacramento region, there has been much interest in the amount being spent on responding to homelessness and the cost effectiveness of the dollars spent. To address this, our office conducted a survey of citywide departments regarding their homeless related expenditures. To our knowledge, the last formal attempt to compile homeless expenditures was in October 2015 report released by the city. We used a similar survey approach for our methodology as homeless related costs are not easily identifiable in the city's financial system. Uh, we asked departments to provide the following information uh, for fiscal year 2023. A description of the relevant expenditures, actual or the estimated expenditure amounts, categorization of expenditures by type, the funding source, uh, identify whether it's staff or hard costs, and any other relevant details. Upon receipt of the survey responses, we conducted a high-level review for consistency, um, and as such, the survey outcomes are self-reported and were not audited. According to our survey results, the city has spent approximately $57.3 million in fiscal year 23 on homeless-related efforts. Um, it's an almost 5.3-fold increase, totaling almost $46.5 million since the 2015 report. Uh, this $57.3 million figure includes self-reported contract costs that were, that were reported by the departments. And I also want to note that there was a newspaper story this weekend that misstated the amount um, as $105 million, and it has since been corrected. Of the city's uh, 17 departments, 12 departments incurred costs related to homelessness. As shown in the graph, the Department of Community Response had the highest amount of expenditures at 57% of the total citywide homeless expenditures. Um, it was approximately $32.6 million. Using the same categories as the types of homeless response efforts mentioned earlier in the presentation, uh, the response effort with the highest amount of expenditures is providing direct assistance and services made up about 35.5 million or 62% of the citywide expenditures. And it was followed by reducing impact to the community at about 10.9 million or 19% of the total citywide expenditures. The source of funding for these homeless related expenditures overlaps uh, 15 different city funds. These expenditures are primarily funded through Measure U uh, which accounts for 29% of the expenditures. Uh, it's followed by general fund at about 25% and operating grants at about 19%. To determine the next steps of the audit, we identified a list of seven potential objectives for further evaluation, and they're categorized into four topics for easy reference. Each of these seven objectives can be their own audit. For citywide uh, strategy and coordination, the potential objectives are either determining whether the city is efficiently and effectively monitoring and communicating daily response and service metrics to prioritize and achieve higher level goals as defined in its existing strategic plans, uh, or determine whether the city's current response protocol is efficiently and effectively guiding interdepartmental coordination, evaluating response times and resource deployment, and adhering to the NIMS structure. 
for the cost of homeless services to the city category, the potential objectives could be determining whether contracts with homeless service providers, um, as previously stated, totaling more than uh, $47 million across 26 contracts as of March 2023 are designed consistently and are operating and administered efficiently and effectively. Um, we could also determine whether the city is effectively and efficiently operating and administrating contracts for the operation of the various types of emergency and shelter, temporary shelter solutions such as vouchers or safe grounds and determine whether opportunities exist to implement most, more cost-effective and stabilizing options that result in permanent housing placement. For the data integrity and usefulness category, we have two potential objectives. The first one is determine whether citywide homeless response activity is consistently monitored, communicated, and analyzed to ensure legitimate, accurate, and complete metrics are aggregated to provide an efficient and effective homeless response, um, or determining whether the city is tracking current data and metrics to demonstrate whether long-term positive shelter or housing outcomes are being achieved on an individual level and then to conduct analysis on the services offered and reasons for refusal in order to inf inform better service delivery or more effective temporary housing solutions. Um, for the public information category, a potential objective is to determine whether information about relative city codes and associated enforcement processes is easily accessible and comprehensible for the homeless community in order to com increase compliance actions from the city and reduce repeated stress on the homeless community. Uh, we would appreciate any feedback and further direction on prioritizing these potential objectives. This concludes my presentation. I'd like to thank the Department of Community Response, the city manager's office, the city attorney's office, and all the departments who assisted with the survey for their cooperation and contributions to this preliminary report. Uh, the audit team and I are available to answer any questions, should you hey, have any. Thank you, Madam City Auditor. Why don't I go first on this one, is that okay? Um, sort of set the tone and maybe state a strong opinion. Um, <laughs> I have none of those. Sorry, you know. So let's acknowledge and recognize several facts here that we talk about often uh, at this dais. Number one, the city has never been intended to be a homeless service agency. It's not what we do. It's not what we have done traditionally. I'll remind you, and I can say it every week, it's okay, um, that when I started as mayor, the city was contracting for less than 100 beds a night. We now contract for, I believe we're up to 1,350 and growing. We've gotten into this business out of necessity because the problem is the problem. And we know it's large, it's not unique to Sacramento. It is every major city, certainly on the West Coast and many throughout the country. And so um, we have had to uh, fly, you know, the proverbial cliche about flying the plane or building the plane as we're flying it. That's what we have done. There have been stops and starts. Um, we now, I think, have a better foundation than we have ever had before. We're organized better than we have been before with Mr. Pedro and our incident command structure and, and um, our partnership beginning, emphasize beginning partnership with the county around integrating services, housing, 
and compliance in ways that help us point to a cleaner and safer city and also to help people. And you know, you could say it a million times, but it doesn't really matter because what people look at is what the streets look like. But we've gotten tens of thousands of people off the streets as a result of our efforts. We have. Something to be proud of, those are real human lives. And yet the work is far, far from done. And when I say that we are flying the plane or building the plane and flying it at the same time, that means that in working with providers that, um, of which, by the way, we don't have enough of, not exactly a glamorous business, um, that the idea that all the contracting is going to be perfect or that there's going to be immediate cost containment, long way of saying that while it would be rational and legitimate to do a traditional cost-based audit on homelessness, I don't think it would be very helpful to us or to the public. Because guess what? It's expensive. It is expensive. And it is um, it's hard. It's hard to take care of people and to provide for their lives 24-7 and people with who are really fragile. So yes, you can say one provider's it's more than another, and okay, it's legitimate to look at. I'm not saying it isn't. But in terms of your focus and what would be of most help to us, that isn't where I would start. I would do something different. And it really relates to numbers one and three on your list here, which is citywide strategy coordination and data integrity and usefulness. Because here's what we need. We need these systems, including our systems, to work m even more effectively around the, the coexisting missions of cleaning the streets and helping the people. <clears throat> and we need the county partnership agreement to actually work. We need everyone who's involved in housing to help us figure out how we best utilize these vouchers that exist out there to get people from the existing shelter system to the housing that exists. And I would, I would rather see an audit that focuses on what the challenges are and what we can do differently and what the whole system can do differently in helping people out of shelters, out of tiny homes, out of safe grounds, into more permanent housing with the services that they need. And I know some of that is the lack of capacity, but that's not all of it. It's not all of it. I'm sorry, we help people, we find housing for people, but just not enough. So I'd like you to focus on vouchers. I'd like you to focus on the amount of time it takes for people to leave temporary settings to more permanent settings and to, and to try to analyze why, of which we know one of the reasons is we plain need more, more housing. That would be of tremendous benefit to us and would, and would point towards what we need to do as better partners, but also what our partners need to be helping us with, including some of the agencies that work with and for us, our housing authority, SHRA, which we're proud of, 
they do a good job. But what, what part they need to play on the voucher side, for example, what part the private sector needs to play in helping us move people faster out of temporary settings so that we free up more space in those settings for people who are living on the streets. That would, and on the third piece, data integrity. What is it going to take, I know the state's struggling this as well, and other cities and counties, to actually develop an outcome-based data system that is not so dense that the public can't understand it, but that reports what are the outcomes around hospitalization, jail time, reduced days of homelessness, um, increased housing and permanent housing, basic common sense metrics that are outcome-based, how do we actually put that together with Sacramento Steps Forward, by the way, without needing a two-year contract or whatever the heck before we're even, we're even started? Help us with development of a simple outcome-based system on, on what's happening to the people and what the challenges are in getting people from the temporary settings that we have established and are paying for to more permanent help and independence. Thank you. Thank you. Somebody talking, I'm sorry, it's just, it's in the audience. It's hard to, I'm getting some feedback. I just, thank you. Okay, uh, Mr. Guetta. Uh, thank you, Mayor. Um, First, I uh, want to thank you, Krista. You know, I think this is your first presentation to budget and audit, and uh, appreciate uh, you taking on probably one of my, our most challenging audits. Um, and to first start off with, I, I, you know, the purpose of our city auditor has always been for process improvement, and I think we've talked a lot about all of the different methods we've used uh, the audits to um, to to look at fine tuning, addressing uh, issues. Uh, and I think in this one here, that's that should be our primary focus. Um, when we this first audit was first requested by a number of council members, it was you know extremely wide. I mean, every potential issue you can imagine on this, and so we've been able to narrow that down and even further so. And even this report is still extremely wide. And, and after we've narrowed it down, and I do think that. Um, having, uh, you know, been a part of the 4 by 2 now over the last year and a half and seeing where we're at, how we're looking at those communications, there are two aspects that I, I also want to hone in on. One is on our citywide uh, uh, strategy on in, and how our departments better connect on these issues. Um, we've, I think the incident command um, has structure has helped us dramatically being able to respond um, the interface with our constituents and how they submit a response and how we respond better, I think, is an important one. Yes, I concur with the, the accurate data uh, component of it. Um, so that's one piece. And in that same spirit, um, I'd, I would prefer also to, to see uh, an audit on how we do better interagency coordination because that is, I think, our our most significant challenge is the data inter and the interagency coordination that we have to do uh, in addressing this. Um, uh, some few things to recognize. I, I appreciate 
what the report has done is consolidated a lot of the information and the work that has done. I think this report uh, highlights that. Um, it highlights the good work that many of these organizations have done. I think the first point, I mean, there have been uh, criticisms in the press that, that there is no service delivery, that the city just goes out and uh, moves people, you know, inadvertently. But I think the report points out that there has been a significant amount of direct services um, to ensure that we're providing people a pathway out. And the list of the uh, partners here, uh, such as uh, St. John's, Center for Real Change, uh, Weave, uh, First Steps that was brought up, uh, those are organizations that have had um, a strong reputation in working with the city and moving people out of um, poverty, out of homelessness, and into, um, into a successful path. I think it was even important that you brought up that um, these partners, uh, including First Steps, have a lower cost um, uh, for operation than other cities and other jurisdictions. I think those are all important factors that this report and this audit does. Um, so, Mayor, I think where I'm struggling here is uh, I think it would be uh, premature, unless it's, unless it's required, to move this, while this information is important, to move this audit to the council in its form and rather try to figure out how we direct it to get the right information and whatnot. Why? So that's a question that I, I, I have. I think that was the purpose of today. In other words, I know the process is the process, but is this a, this is a discussion about what we want you to audit next? Yes. Okay. So good. rather than have excessive process, my view is that the Budget and Audit Committee is the proper committee to sort of have this initial discussion. For you then to then rescope re your focus, so to speak, based on this input, and to then come back to the City Council for a vote, so to speak, approving that, that audit. We don't need multiple levels of discussion before you make a specific recommendation. And what I'm saying, is I'd like you to focus on the systems issues, the systems and the data issues, not on what it's costing the city, because it's costing a lot. And guess what? A lot of it is state money. And by the way, we are delivering actual results. We actually are. Look at the numbers of people we have in our systems nightly. So it's only going to get us so far to then analyze sort of the intricacies of that. What we really need help on is how to refocus the, all of us towards outcomes and to understand what the systemic roadblocks are to moving people through this system so that we can help more people. Do you agree, Eric? Well, I, I do, I do, and it's, it's more of a process question because well, what, that's my, what's scheduled on, what's on the agenda is that we, is, to, is a request to accept the audit and forward it to Don't counsel. bring it to, no, then let's make a different motion. Yes. Exactly, so that's what I will do. Make a different uh, I will, uh, I'll, I'll move to provide direction to the city auditor to focus specifically uh, on uh, the systems issue. And, uh, Mr. and Mayor, I'd like to make. And data. And data. Outcome-based data. Exactly, and I would like to include the interagency um, uh, coordination aspect of it, yeah. too. So that's I, part of the system. Exactly. Well, uh, okay. I know you were talking about internally, but I want to make sure that it includes the, the external Ms. partners. Yeah. Ms. Talamantes may have a different okay. point of view. Yeah, I disagree. Um, I think that the cost of homelessness services um, is important. 
you know, I think a lot of people in Sacramento right now are feeling we're spending millions and millions and millions of dollars on this, and I don't see a difference. <laughs> and so there are people, but people like, and that's people's feeling. Um, so as a steward of taxpayer dollars, I feel like we have an obligation to the constituents to say, hey, we audited, this is what we found, this percentage of money is spent on security, this percentage of money is spent on like infrastructure, on staffing, on services, even if it's not like by the dollar, at least getting like a good understanding of like if you're going to do a safe ground or you're going to do tiny homes, these are the percentages that are going to be spent on the different components of it. Um, which to me goes to procurement. You know, there's some contracts that we have with companies that utilities has a contract with them, our D1000 has a contract with them, just different departments have different contracts. So like, how do you like condense it and have more of a like a streamlined process? Uh, so that just kind of goes to procurement, which goes to the cost of homelessness services to the city. So I do agree that we need to audit like interagency coordination um, I'm glad we finally have the incident command team so that everything is, like, under one person. I think that's been really helpful. Um, but I just, the cost of homelessness. Um, is so important. can I, can, can we, before I turn it around? Yeah. So maybe there's a way to reconcile this. I think what the auditor has been asking informally and this morning is what is the first audit priority? Because right. it, it, it um, it's a problem of, um, it's, it depends how quickly we want some helpful audit response, right? Because if we ask the auditor in the office to do everything, well, then it's going to take another six to eight months before we get back everything. If we take it in bites, so maybe it, would you be okay with the, because I, I should amend what I said earlier. The, the cost, of course, is important. We do owe that to the taxpayer, but I just know in terms of improving outcomes, that that will not yield us as much useful um, guidance as the interagency and the systemic and the outcome-based data issue. So if we went with the outcome-based, the systems, the outcome as first, and the cost as a close second, and did the audit in st did the audit in stages, would that? Yeah. Would that work? Yeah, and first okay. it might be helpful to like put up this form of like the different buckets. Oh sure. Uh, yeah. Um, that way we can just all see as we go through this of like. I was just saying one and three. One and three first. Yeah, because she has it in buckets of citywide strategy, cost of homelessness, data integration, usefulness, and then public information. So she needed direction on these. Yes. So, and I was just, okay. really what Eric's uh, motion was, if I might summarize it, yes. would be that the Priority one are categories one and three, <clears throat> which... Um, sorry, to clarify, um, they're in those four topics, but there would be basically seven different audits. So the, the ones on the right are like under cost of homelessness, the two listed would be two different audits that I we could do. I understand, but okay. no, help. It may be the way that you present. You might pre we might ask you to present interim, maybe one audit, Yes. One full audit, because I'm trying to help, or trying to find common ground with Council Member Mayor Pro Tem Talamantes here. Maybe one overall audit, but if you start with categories one and three, mm -hmm. okay, and then move to category two, but present, for example, 
the interim audit results from one and three before the whole audit is complete and then move to two and do that work and then maybe it'll be eight months that you present the full audit but we'll at least have the benefit of interim your interim recommendations for the systems issues sooner rather than later while not precluding or setting aside the importance of looking at cost accounting as well. The uh, chair or council member Vang is up next too. Okay. So I'm here what she has to say. Mike? Yeah. Um, thanks, Mayor. Um, first, I, I, I want to say thank you, Farishta, uh, to you and your entire team. This is a this is like a Herculean task, right? Because there's so many moving parts when we, when we talk about homelessness. Um, I know that this is only a high-level report. It's actually not an audit, so I want to reaffirm that and that you're really back here today seeking direction because I was one of the council members that requested for this, for this uh, preliminary report, right, which hopefully will turn into multiple audits because I know there are several components of, um, of areas that we want to look at. Um, and um, I just want to echo my support for the mayor uh, for items one and three, um, right? Because I think you're seeking direction. I think uh, for me in particular, the citywide strategy coordination is so key uh, for me um, because um, I, I appreciate you sharing the dollars of our CBOs and our contractors that um, have received funds, uh, our HAP fund. Um, so I really appreciate that breakdown. Um, that While that is also very important to me, I also think how we uh, coordinate as a city internally um, is important. And so I support the mayor's uh, recommendation to start with um, one and three first, even though there's two within one and two within three. I'm happy to to support that um, that first phase. Um, just wanted to get some clarity because my understanding was that this preliminary report would go back um, once it comes here. It would go to the full council for consideration for a full fledged conversation to hear what our other colleagues would like to see. What I'm hearing from Councilmember Gare and the mayor is that they don't want to do that yet. They want us to give direction. To get some recommendation on phase on on one and three, and then we would take it to the full council. So I just want to understand the process for that. Yeah. Okay. So what I think the council is saying, we'll hear from Councilmember Talamantes, but I'm interpreting everybody's comments, and then she can speak for herself, of course. Is that citywide strategy and coordination? Mm-hmm. What are the Audit what are the systemic roadblocks to achieve greater coordination, including with a focus on why it is, what are the great challenges, including the housing voucher issue, from getting people from temporary settings to permanent housing. That's category one. Category three, which is related, is what are the data obstacles? In other words, we don't produce a lot of this data, but it could be Sacramento Steps Forward, it could be others. What do we need to have a transparent outcome-based data reporting system around homelessness? We need help with that. We need to push ourselves, but we also need to push our partners so that we have some guidance that would be useful. putting one and three together, if you could specifically scope what an audit would look like under one and three Mm -hmm. and come back to 
either the, this committee or the full council, I'd say the full council, and include in that a second stage of this audit, a second stage of one audit, and that is the cost of homelessness, as Councilmember Talamantes asked for. And the way that I would do this, the way that I would scope it and present it to the council, is that while this may take more time because we're asking you to do it all, we're asking you to do one and three first and come back with interim recommendations and then move on publicly and then move on to the cost control issues. Do that, present interim recommendations, and then you'll have a whole audit. That way it's comprehensive, but you are reporting iteratively to the council and the public about these key components in the order that I think the committee would like to see. Okay. Make sense? Yes. Um, just want to clarify. So the way that we have those um, different objectives listed, the seven, we estimate that each one of those would take us about eight months to do. Oh. So if we are adding well, then. four, <laughs> um, that's why we want that, you know, that clarification guidance from from you guys on which ones to prioritize and and doing a deep dive into any of these is just going to take a long time um, to come back with something meaningful for you guys to to um, see. First, can I, Mayor, can may I ask a question? Yeah. Um, because I'm not an auditor um, and I don't know the capacity is. I anticipate that when we look at the seven um, seven various <laughs> points that. It may take longer when you're seeking information, right? So sometimes you may be waiting for information. Is it possible to like overlay some of these efforts though? I'm thinking because, um, right? Because you're seeking the information you're gathering and, and while you're waiting, you can also be working on another part of the audit. So I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to think in terms of capacity and overlap. Like, are there some that makes, makes sense? I mean, my, like I'm, yeah, I'm thinking, because I'm not an auditor, but I'm trying to think like, I'm sure that some of these you can do it at the same time because there are some wait periods for, um, for, for information to come back to the city auditor's office. And you may be able to speak on that a little bit more because that, that will help me a little bit with figuring out how to provide direction to. Because right. I want to understand the capacity that you and your staff has. Yeah, because some of these, you know, we would have to work with external partners with the city. So if we're, as we're requesting documentation and things and they're getting it back to us, you know, we could be working on another one of these objectives. So we could potentially be doing two at around the same time. Um, but, yeah, if we're doing four, I just want to let you know that it would take longer. Well, okay. okay well, then, you know, Councilmember Talamantes, it's hard then to... <laughs> uh, for to reconcile in a way that yeah. holds all this in. I mean, um, so we might have a disagreement about what, what should be first priority, uh, but. Yeah, can I just repeat out, like, I just want to kind of repeat into the record kind of what I'm hearing and just to want to make sure that we're yeah. on the same page as the rest of the okay. um, budget committee. Okay, so systemic roadblocks would be priority. Um, that leads into data obstacles and being transparent. And I think that as you're trying to understand the systemic roadblocks on all things homelessness, you're going to be running into the transparency and the data obstacles that I'm sure even Brian Pedro from our city staff, you know, 
encounter. You know, right now, like our Department of Community Response, when they're out in the field, they can't just pull up their phone and be like, oh my, there's an empty hotel room at X, Y, and Z. It, it just doesn't exist. So I understand the importance of you know, data obstacles, but just I just can't, um, even if it takes longer to get the cost, I'm okay with that. I just have to make sure that the cost of it is included in this scope um, that comes to council. So maybe we are, what, what we just ought to take uh, the auditor's uh, warning here that it may take longer, but still our priority is our priority. Now, maybe the motion needs to be amended. I just, uh, I spoke with the mayor and um, uh, Councilman Guerra here too, is that what you're talking about, this transparency and the data, the, the underlying issue here are these data agreements, data sharing agreements, because if we don't have access to certain data sets, we can't tell you the outcomes of people leaving some of our uh, safe ground sites and shelters. And so that's something we've been working with through uh, Sacramento Steps Forward and with our county partners. And there are many different layers to it. So that's where the auditor could be very helpful is to say, how, how do we get to that place where we could come to an agreement, not to violate HIPAA or anything like that, but to get data in a in a way that's useful to us so we can track the outcomes that everybody's been asking for. So I would be fine with an amended motion which which said among all these seven, because we gotta get to all of them in the way that we've described, that the most that the one we want you to tackle first is to determine whether the city is tracking current data and metrics and what data is available to demonstrate whether long-term positive shelter housing outcomes are being achieved on an individual level and to conduct analysis on services offered and reasons for refusal to inform better service delivery or more effective temporary housing solutions. That's the most important systemic issue because it combines the data with some of the systems. It will touch on some of the other challenges. Stuff you guys yeah, had. a challenge on some of the other. Do you agree with that? I could, I could agree with that because if if we don't figure that piece out, we could get the receipts and find out the cost. But what does that tell us if what it's not us? showing us what the what the potential outcome is or the roadblocks in is? Okay. So I think for us, it's, it goes back to the need for process improvement. Please scope that and bring that back to the full council, maybe in consultation with with several members or whatever you want to do it. I'm happy to the eyes and ears um, uh, on how you scope that priority out. But we want you to audit all of it. And let's put cost control up there. Okay, okay. <laughs> just want to make sure it's put on it there. Up there. Okay, thank it's you. up there, okay? Thank you. Okay? Yeah, we can do definitely do different phases of an it's, audit it's and phases. come back as it's completed. Yeah. Um, so I just want to clarify on the direction is do not, don't take this report to this full city council. Just come back with you know, this is the scope that we're going to do exactly. on the data integrity and just get approval for yes. that scope. Yes, that is the direction. And then we'll, we'll take that scope to the full council for approval. Yeah, the council will approve the full scope. And if they don't like any of it, they can say, well. But she'll come back here before yeah. to do three scopes and then go to council. Well, that's oh. what was unclear. Do you want to? Yeah. <laughs> so do I come back here? Yeah, come back here and then go over the three scopes, right? And then come to full city council. Up to you, Mayor. I, I'm I'm uh, I'm ambivalent about <laughs> about that. I'll just slow it down a little bit. I I, I think let's go right to the council okay. if okay. that's okay. Yeah, that's we have okay. to come back. Then we have to wait a month. Oh, yeah, okay. come back. Just come okay. back to the city council, but maybe you brief each of uh, yeah. the the members here and. We'll work it up. But again, you know what our number one priority here is, okay? I think that's clear. And uh, that's not precluding 
the other priorities, including Councilmember Talamantes, is right. We always have to uh, account for the dollars that are being spent. But in terms of order of priority, we'd rather you get at the data and the systems issues first. Okay? Sense. Thank you. Fair enough. All right. All in, and the motion's amended uh, accordingly, as described in detail by me over the last few minutes. <laughs> seconded by. <laughs> I'll second it. Okay. We okay, Mike? I just had one more comment. Go. Can we put that chart back up real quick? And I know that the priority would be the data piece because that's critical because we want to know what the outcomes are. Um, Mindy, can you put that up real quick? I'm just going to back to two about the cost of services. I know that that's going to be part of the scope later, um, but just wanted to also share this as well. As we're looking at determining um, kind of like our data system in terms of like outcomes for housing, I feel like that is related to our CBOs that are doing this work because they're also out there trying to figure out connecting um, unhoused neighbors to, to you know, permanent housing, whatnot, right? And so while, I, while that may not be the first phase of scope of work, I'm anticipating that when we're, you know, doing a deeper dive into the data um, integrity piece uh, in terms of our system that we're also kind of looking into the cost of services of our CBOs because they do that work too, like the, the outcomes piece of trying to get folks into shelter. So I just want to not trying to make it more complicated, but just saying like I, I could see where the, the intersectionalities are with that. And so, you know, if there's some way to incorporate that in there, that would be great. That would be great. And so I just, I wanted to name that. Yeah. Cause, um, yeah, I think that's important. So does that work for Rishta? Well, I mean, we would, you know, reach out to the partners yep. that have some of this data, but we probably wouldn't be touching on like our costs with the contract and whether or not they're right. providing those services in this kind of report. It would, but we would obviously be working Look at how their data to, is connected to ours. Yes. Yeah, I think that's important. So making sure, okay. That's, that's right. Okay. Well, the data derives from Absolutely, the provider. Yeah. Yeah. So that is relevant, obviously. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, first, uh, for, and to the city auditor's team, Please work with the city manager, Brian Pedro, to get all the data that you need. If you run into roadblocks, please don't hesitate to reach out to the leadership team to be able to make sure that you get all the resources and all the data you can possibly get. Yep. Okay. And then, Mayor, can we confirm that Councilmember Garrett made the motion, but there was a few amendments after that? Those are all acceptable, correct? correct. Yeah. Thank Except you. Councilmember yeah. Talamantes. Clear as can be. Thank okay. You. Um, it is actually. Um, all in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed, abstain. Good, good work. We're reasoning through, and it's hard because there are so many things to look at. Yes. But if we don't focus, and you've invited us to focus and asked us to focus, if we don't do that, then we're not going to get something that's really meaningful. Because an audit, for an audit's sake, may be necessary and important, but this is about cost, but it's also about the systems and working better and more effectively. And you'll help us, maybe faster than eight months. Fingers crossed. Okay. <laughs> all right. You've got a good team, I know. All right. Thank you. Can you Let's vote. All in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed, abstain. I thought I did, but okay. Okay, that passes unanimously. We've got your survey. Do we need to do this? Can this be quick? Um, I can try to go really quick, if you like, or... 
Up to you. Do we? Send the survey thing straight to council. Is that okay? Yeah. All right. Okay. Do you guys need to vote on that or no? We, let's make motion to move it to receive and file. Okay. To receive and file. Okay. Thank you. If, Thank you. If there's nothing else to come, nothing else to come before the budget and audit committee, we're adjourned. Thank you.